NDR went in, we won nine in a row. It wasn't like, hey, we're gonna win six in a row and seven in a row. You're just trying to win the next thing. Same thing, um, I mean, these guys are motivated. They, they know what happened last year and they don't, they, they don't need reminded of that often. Um, I think it's just a reminder of, you, you're chasing something you never had, same as always. Our goal is still to just find out how good we can be. You know, and you want to win the title, but that is not the, the goal. That is not the end point. That is not what we're after. I want that to be one of the things that happens um, along the way, but it, that's not the, it's not stop here because that really puts that thing on a pedestal and that's not big enough. has become a legendary coaching figure at Grandview. He has led the Vikings to nine traditional NAIA national championships, 10 NAIA national duels titles, and 115 consecutive dual meet victories as of today. Since Mitchell became the head coach of the program 14 years ago, 30 Grandview wrestlers have won individual national titles and 82 Grandview wrestlers have earned All-American honors. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's Wrestling Writer, and I am glad you're here. Happy Wednesday, March 2nd. It is March. This is March. Been a while since we last talked, though. The week of the Iowa State Championships was a little busy, and my podcast plans all fell through. And then last week was a planned week off from the show to just mentally prep for this month. So, hey, welcome back. Uh, Ready to rock and roll this month, and I'm excited to get a series of shows um, here on the pod for you guys um, we got a three. We got three of them this week, but we're going to start today um, with a couple of conversations with some NAIA coaches. Grandview's Nick Mitchell, as you guys previously heard at the top, and Life University's Omi Acosta. Um, those of you who follow NAIA wrestling closely will recognize those two names. We all know about Nick Mitchell's success at Grandview, but his first championship team in 2012 featured a lineup that was bookended by uh, para national champs Big Eric Thompson at heavyweight and Omi Acosta, an incredibly talented 133-pounder from Florida. Omi came from the perennial Florida powerhouse in South Dade, uh, took the junior college route to Grandview. He helped Nick Mitchell win his first NAIA team title, then worked as an assistant coach for three years with a one-year stop at Coast Guard Academy sandwiched in between, before taking over the head coaching position at LifeU ahead of the 16-17 season. Since Acosta was hired, LifeU has finished in the top 10 at all five NAI national tournaments that he has been the coach at, including a third-place finish in 2019 and the national team championship just last year in 2021. He's coached 23 LifeU wrestlers to All-American honors and three of them to individual national titles. He's done all of that using the same blueprint that's led Mitchell to success here at Grandview. All of it culminated in last year's NAI national tournament, or life you downed Grandview in a thrilling team race. Omi Acosta was partly responsible for sparking Grandview's streak of national championships and then became partly responsible for ending it too. Grandview totaled 153 points while Life U scored 158 at last year's national tournament. Life U won thanks to 10 All-Americans led by Brandon Orem's national title at 125 pounds. Grandview also had 10 All-Americans but finished without a champ. All 12 Viking wrestlers were seated fourth or better at their respective weights before the tournament began. Again, 
but only seven of them finished fourth or better come Saturday night. Grandview and Life traded blows throughout the two-day tournament. The Vikings managed a two-and-a-half-point lead after Friday, the first day. Then Life led 128 to 127-and-a-half after Saturday's semifinals. Grandview retook the lead 149 to 140 before the medal matches, and then Life carried a 154 to 153 lead into the finals. Orem's three to two win over Bruton Parker's Lucas Nelson pushed Life to advantage back to five points. Points. Both of life's other finalists, Denver Stonecheck at 149 and Asher Eichert at 174, both lost. But so too did Grandview's two finalists, Giovanni Bonilla at 157 and Greg Hagen at 285. That secured life's first NAIA team title in program history and ended Grandview's incredibly successful run at the top. Why am I rehashing all of that now? Well, this weekend, they're going back at it again at the 2022 NAIA Men's Wrestling National Championship set for this Friday and Saturday at Hartman Arena in Wichita, Kansas. Grandview, LifeU, and even Reinhardt, another NAIA program from Georgia, they all qualified all 12 wrestlers for this weekend, while Indiana Tech and Southeastern both brought 11, and then Cumberland's out of Kentucky brought 10. Remember, the NAIA kind of plays by their own rules when it comes to some of these things that they do for wrestling, so yes, you are allowed 12 wrestlers in the post season. Um, you can't have any more than two at one particular weight. Um, in the case of Grandview, I believe they have two wrestlers at three weights and opted not to bring, I believe, a 149 pounder. Um, so this will not be the first time that Grandview and LifeU have seen each other this year. Um, most notably, Grandview beat LifeU 21-10 in the finals of the NAI National Duels earlier this year. But this two-day dance in Kansas is expected to be another exciting chapter in what could become a really fun NAI wrestling rivalry. So to get you guys ready for the action, we're kicking off today's week of podcast by talking to both Nick Mitchell and Omi Acosta. I caught up with both of them earlier this week. Talked to Nick about what it's been like not being the defending national champions, watching Omi Blossom as a coach. And then we talked to Omi about his coaching journey and what it's been like chasing the dynasty that Nick's built here in Des Moines. Both were fantastic conversations that will lead to a story that I have planned later this week, so be sure to stay tuned for that. But they also, um, those two conversations make up the rest of today's show. So I will quit blabbering. We'll get to those conversations. Going to start with Nick Mitchell, then we'll follow with our conversation with Omi Acosta. These were great interviews, and I hope you guys enjoy, and I will catch you all on the other side. So I noticed that in the back of the room, you guys hang a banner for every year that you win. Mm -hmm. And this is the first year you guys didn't get to hang a banner. Yeah. Is that weird? Is that motivational? I mean, I know you're, you're an obsessively competitive guy, but like, what's yeah. it like knowing that you're going into another national tournament, but you're not the defending champs this time? Yeah. Um, man, I've, I've obviously, we, we talked about this a lot with different people. and. and in the long run, for me at least, it was um, it was a little bit of a gift. You know, yeah. I mean, it was um, it was hard. Of course, it was. You know, you're always disappointed when you don't get what you want when you when you don't win something that you're that you're after. Um, but there was a certain level of like monotony that was starting to go on with um, maybe in my mind, maybe not everybody else. But we won nine in a row, and and some of the things that start happening when you win uh, didn't seem like that big of a deal to me after a while. And maybe even in my mind, I started feeling like I was um, kind of becoming like um, just uneasy about even what I was doing this for because it, it was just the same thing over and over. And so um, it gave me a renewed perspective. And I wouldn't even say it was renewed motivation because I don't lack motivation. I, I still was working hard and I, and I worked hard this year too. And, I, and our team has um, worked just as hard as ever. 
but it gave us just a, a renewed perspective on why we're doing this and what it's all about. Yeah. What was maybe the biggest lesson that you took from last season, last year's national tournament? Like, what's the biggest thing you worked on coming into this year and throughout this year? Um, you know, so it was part of last year, it was such a weird year because of COVID year that we didn't have our normal, like, really tough schedule that we would have had. And so it was a reminder that things need to be tough. You know, if you want your guys to be tough in tough situations, you have to continue to put them in tough situations. And so we, we focused on that a lot with our schedule and then also um, just how we trained this year. And um, it didn't mean that you, you train extremely different. Obviously, what we've been doing is working, uh, but it's you tweak it, you know, and you try to maybe maybe include a little more psychological warfare warfare in there and just make it a little bit tougher on them um, so that maybe they don't know what to expect all the time. Yeah. What do you like about this year's team and the way they came together? Um, you know, that that's really the way to explain it. These guys have really come together. And uh, I just feel like the energy level of these guys right now, the confidence level, um, you know, there, there's even the guys that aren't going to be one of the 12 guys representing us they've been so good about like being here, supporting the other guys, like helping them get better, building them up. And I know those, some of those guys are struggling right now. You know, it's just, it's like anybody else after you, you come up short of a goal. It's hard, man. It's hard to show up in this room and put that kind of work in and build other guys up. Uh, but that's what I feel like we've got right now. And, and that's always a really good sign of, of what's to come. Yeah. How hard is it year in and year out to pick the 12 guys, you know, weighing, two guys at a weight versus one I like obviously it comes down to you know maximizing point potential but like as a coach working with these guys every single day year after year like how hard are those decisions sometimes it's it's really tough you know and that's that's a good thing I mean you want it to be tough that, that's what you you build a, a deep program around is the idea that it's going to be really tough um, but yeah I mean there's some decisions that have to be made where we don't need to take a guy at every weight class and so, you know, essentially, sometimes you're telling um, some guys at one weight class, hey, we're not going to take the, you know, this year we're not taking 149, uh, but we're taking two guys at 25, uh, 74, and heavyweight. And so it's, it's saying, hey, we, we think that this is the best team, you know, our best opportunity to score points. And, and that means I have to pay attention to things like depth of, of weight classes and how tough each weight class is. And um, ultimately, I try to do the best job I can of making it objective and just looking at the results prove themselves. You know, that you look at the results and, and it's like, hey, this is what this guy has done consistently. And, and we always talk about being consistent, reliable, and tough. Consistency, a big part of that. Yeah, this year's team, um, I know you don't. You say you don't lack for motivation, but how, how often do you remind them, like, hey, we didn't win last year? Not much, honestly. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, even when we were, um, when, when you are winning, we won nine in a row, it wasn't like, hey, we're going to win six in a row and seven in a row. You're just trying to win the next thing. Same thing, um, I mean, these guys are motivated. They, they know what happened last year, and they don't, they, they don't need reminded of that often. Um, I think it's just a reminder of you, you're chasing something you never had, same as always. Our goal is still to just find out how good we can be, you know, and you want to win the title, but that is not the, the goal. That is not the end point. That is not what we're after. I want that to be one of the things that happens um, along the way, but it, that's not the, it's not stop here because that really puts that thing on a pedestal and that's not big enough. Yeah. Well, and I heard you talking about that during the, you know, the pre-practice meeting that you had with the guys mm -hmm. and I forgot where exactly I heard this from, but 
you remind me of it, everybody that, you know, competes at the state tournament every year, everybody who competes at the various, you know, NCAA and AI wrestling levels, like, it takes a unique person to be wired in a way to, like, climb a mountain, mm. put your flag on top of the mountain, and then go back down to the base of the mountain and climb it again. Right. Where, like, where do you, like, what what's... I don't know. Like, how do you how do you continually find new things to chase and new reasons to reclimb the mountain? Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's each year is unique, you know. And so it's not like um, you're climbing the same mountain. It's a different mountain every year, and, and that's what I love about it, you know. And and maybe that's where my perspective got a little bit skewed for a while because maybe I started feeling like I was climbing the same mountain, but it's not. I mean, with different personalities, different guys, different team every year it's always a different mountain, you know, and then of course you throw in different competition. That's part of the fun, you know, that's, you appreciate that. You know, if you don't appreciate your competition, um, you, you're gonna get into an, an unhealthy way of approaching this thing. And I appreciate the competition uh, and I'm glad that it's tough. I want it to be tough because it's, it, as anybody knows, man, nothing nothing that, that wasn't tough was that exciting. So it's the tougher the better. Yeah, well, and one of the cool things I think about you know, you guys taking second last year was the team that beat you is led by like a one of your, you know, one of your former wrestlers and one of your former assistants. Mm -hmm. um, how cool has that been to kind of you know Grandview and Lifeview, you know, these two programs that in many ways mirror each other. Like that's those are the two at the top of the heap in NAIA. Yeah, it, no, I'm, I mean it's it's uh, I'm happy for him in a, in a way, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm proud of those guys because there's a lot of those guys, a lot of a lot of Grandview guys over there coaching. Um, but I don't really even, you know, when it's time to compete, we, we don't think much about them. We don't think much. We prepare um, for what's directly in front of us. And so if we're wrestling a dual meet with them, we'll prepare for them. But you go into this tournament and you don't think about too much, you know, as far as like who, who's the next team, who's, who's going to be pushing us. Um, again, it's, it's a waste of energy. You know, it's more about we have to prepare each guy individually. Um, to, to do their job and, and that's part of my job too is not to get wrapped up in in these you know one or two teams out there i gotcha yeah um well i wanted to ask you about omi just because I, I was able to talk to him earlier today mm. um and just like the just the, the fun dynamic right of a former viking wrestler a former assistant coach like the one of the guys that helped you win the first one right mm -hmm. um is now you know the head coach at a team that's going to be one of the other contenders going into this weekend yeah. um how cool has it been to kind of see him blossom as a coach after getting to witness him, you know, jump levels as a wrestler? Yeah, I mean, if you can remove yourself from the competitive part of it, <laughs> it's awesome because because we're, we're really close, you know, and he's still close with Coach Reedy, and, you know, and so we have a really good relationship. And so there's a side of it that you're really like, man, this guy's come a long ways because just like any other college kid, he was young and immature. And as a coach, you know, I mean, there was – a lot of time, you know, for for a long time where we'd hear from him on a weekly basis. <laughs> he needed help. He wanted to know about this, you know, and, and, and you can kind of see now he's found his own way. And I think some of that is, um, yeah, if you look at their program, obviously they're following our blueprint. They, but, but you're also starting to see him go in his own direction, uh, which is which is important. You can't. You can't just try to mimic what we're what we've done and what we what we what we do on a daily basis because it's not yours that way, and, and that's what probably what I appreciate even more is seeing him kind of go off in his own direction. Yeah, well, and that was one of the biggest lessons he said he learned from you is that like you can't just you know there's a blueprint, but you can't just copy it verbatim, right? Like you sure. you can't you have to kind of 
pave your own path, right? Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've clearly went through that same cycle with Coach Miller and, and you know, coming from Wartburg and, and same thing. I mean, of course, I'd be crazy not to use and, and utilize the tools that I picked up um, wrestling for Coach Miller and, and coaching with him for such a long time. But if I try to be Coach Miller, it's it's not authentic, you know, and guys can see that. And it's it's not you're not even really going to believe what you're what you're selling. Yeah. What do you remember about recruiting, Omi? Um, uh, well, he was a JUCO guy, you know, and so um, and he was you know, from Florida, and so you know <laughs> he, he was in between. He wanted he, either he was looking at us or maybe a Division One, and then during that time, Lindenwood was finishing up one of their last years at NAI, and it was really down to us and Lindenwood. And I think he actually committed to those guys, but I built a good relationship with his JUCO coach, and his JUCO coach didn't fax his letter of intent to those guys. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's crazy. And I talked to Omi one more time, got him to change his mind, and then he committed to us, and then the rest is history. Yeah. What uh, What was the most impressive part about watching him as an athlete while he was here? He was super talented, um, but not very tough at first. You know? and he would tell you that. I mean, his first year here, uh, he, we we kind of gave him a hard time. We'd call it like the Florida twirl, you know. He was looking for injury time, and so we had to kind of like help him understand, like this is this is not us, man. This is not how we compete. This is not how we do things. And it took him, you know, that first year. Um, he, he saw some flashes of how good he could be, uh, but it took a while. I mean, he he wasn't there right away, and he didn't place at the national tournament that year. Um, but he needed that a little bit, you know. He kind of had to learn the hard way, and he came back that next year and. A lot of it came down to you know getting his weight in the right in the right spot and then living the championship lifestyle and all of a sudden you know we could then you could see how good he really was. Yeah. What do you remember about that? You know, he wins in 2012. You guys win as a team in 2012. Like that was a really special year for both of you guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know he had a, a really good kid uh, that he beat in the quarters that he had gone back and forth with in, in JUCOs. He beat that guy and, and once he won that match and he kind of dominated that match. We knew like uh, he's he's gonna win this thing, you know. And then semis, he ends up. Uh, I think he he comes from behind, beats a guy, and then the finals. It was lower scoring match, but he but he was real solid. And, and it was man, it was you had this, you had him, and then Eric Thompson, who were kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. One guy, an Iowa guy, a ton of past history, a lot of high school history, um, and then Omi, you know, coming from Florida. Uh, but two guys that even though. Um, it, they ended in the right spot that year. It, it took him a while to get there, you know. And so I think it was it was also a sign of what our program was about, you know. And that's really when people started understanding that this place wasn't just about winning titles, but we were about like trying to help change guys' lives. Yeah. What I do you remember what characteristics Omi might have showed, you know, through his wrestling career, and then even I mean, he was an assistant with you guys for quite a while too. Yeah. That showed you that you know, hey, this guy might be a pretty good head coach someday. Yeah, I mean, I think he was just his willingness to learn. I mean, as a coach, especially, um, still he still does, and, but he was always really curious. He just asked a lot of questions, you know. And and I think he was like he was humble enough to know he he never acted like he had it all figured out, and and he still doesn't, you know. He even though he's obviously had success now, he knows that he's got a lot to to learn, and I think that's key for any of us, you know, and myself included. Is you can get to a point where enough people tell you how great you are that you might start believing it and and i really try to fight that and i think the omi does a good job of that too yeah so he gets the the job at, did he jump straight from here to life you or how did no he was here and then he actually coached so i, I uh coached kevin bratlin when he was at warburg and bratlin is the head coach at coast guard okay. omi went out there for a year um was the head assistant there 
ended up coming back here for a year and then we um, took him down to the um, NWCA Leadership Academy. Yeah. And Steve Costanzo was his mentor. And Costanzo obviously is a great coach and has NAI history also. And then the life job opened up and Costanzo let those guys know, like, as we totally agreed with was, hey, this guy, he's ready, you know, and, and, and he's got people that'll help him along the way. And so it all worked out. Yeah. Did you think, it seems like he, he's, I, I don't know, it seems like he built it pretty quick up there. Like they, they became a pretty tough NAIA program relatively quickly. Are you surprised at all by the success he's had? No, I mean, they, and he was fortunate. I mean, there was, it definitely wasn't where it needed to be, but he, he did inherit a few guys that had some All-American background already, um, you know, some good guys. And so he had a good foundation. Uh, his thing was just, he, he was able to go and take it to the next level, you know. And I think that he just knew what it should look like and he knew what that meant as far as um, the talent level and, and the depth that you needed. Yeah, when you when your guys wrestle, you know, life, you guys, what's what's the one thing that stands out about seeing those guys wrestle? Um, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think our guys specifically focus on any one thing. Um, I know typically he, he's gonna he's gonna recruit talent, you know, and so you know that they're gonna there's gonna be some guys with some talent, and that's the one thing that definitely stands out with them. Yeah, how much fun is it gonna be? You know, I, it doesn't seem like these two programs. I mean, you guys have obviously been here for a long time. They don't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, this is going to be a fun little back and forth between you guys for the next few years. Like, how is it? I, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's and that's Omi's job right now. You know, it, I mean, it's they're in a good spot right now. Um, but there's a difference between a couple of years of longevity and a decade of it. You know, and that's where that, that's that's where it, that's his that's what he's got his work cut out for is to see if he can do this for the long talk for the long haul. Let me let me start here. You guys, um, you know, it, it was an incredible team race last year. You guys wrestled out of your minds. Um, you know, it seemed like for the first time in a really long time, they finally tripped up and had a bad national tournament. Um, I, can you remember like the the feeling of kind of navigating each session last year at the national tournament and kind of what it felt like to to come out on top in the end? Yeah, you know, like uh, you still you know vivid memory because it's you know one of the you know highest points of my career. Um, it was just, you know, you know, in my opinion, what it came down was, you know, like last year was a year that, that we were, a lot of people weren't sure of it. And we didn't take it for granted. We knew that, you know, and me telling the guys like, date, this could be your last chance wrestling for a while. And, and, and just everything that was going on in the world kind of, you know, made it a, a kind of like a, got us, you know, I got the guys ready throughout the season on how things are going to be. And it was just a, a measurement of who's going to fight more. And, we just ended up, you know, being, you know, uh, tough enough to end up on top. You know, I think it could have gone either way. But, you know, if you look at the, the, the head-to-head matches, we only lost one match head-to-head to Grandview um, in the whole tournament. And on the backside, all my guys ended up coming back and, and, and playing, you know, uh, finishing odd. And um, so that was definitely what, what made us uh, win a national championship for sure, just being tough. I love the the little details there, head to head with Grandview coming out on top in those matchups. The all the guys that came through in the Russellbacks. What other like little details like that do you remember about that tournament and about that week? You know, one of the biggest matches was uh, that we knew going in and we prepared for it really well was uh, Mal Stark knocking off uh, um, uh, uh, Lee from Grandview, the eighty four pounder. Um, we had him first round, and um, Lee ended up coming back and taking third. And uh, my guy Miles did not place. But that, that, that match was pivotal to the momentum of the team because it gave us hope. And once you give hope to someone, it's really hard to take it away. 
And um, we used that hope and we continue to roll and, and we did what we did. I love that. I love that. Um, what was it like to, I mean, I, I imagine you probably talked to Nick um, quite frequently, but what was it like kind of meeting him or seeing him after that? Because I, you know as well as anybody, that guy, one, doesn't lose often, and two, he absolutely hates losing. Like, what was it like kind of, you know, coaching the team or seeing him over the course of that tournament and being the team and the coach to, to finally knock him off? You know, like, it was, like, like you know, Mitchell, you know, when he's wrestling his business, um, you know, uh, you know, outside of wrestling, you know, we talk and we're everything, but when we're against each other, you know, it, it's, a, it's a deep passion to beat each other, not just because I want to beat him, it's just because it's just part of the sport, you know, somebody has to lose. It's, it's sad to see my coach upset and, 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 you know, not getting what he wanted. However, it's wrestling and that's the nature of the beast. Um, You know, I learned from him. I got the blueprint on how to do things and... You know, I, I, you know, he told me after I won that if if anybody would have done it, he wanted to see me, not nobody else, because I'm a Grandview product. So, um, it was bittersweet for sure, man. It was a, uh, um, it was just a, a difficult situation, but uh, I was on the happy end of the stick, so I was I was pretty happy about it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, part of this, I think, is is kind of your your journey to Grandview, right? How you you know you took the JUCO route, you ended up going you know you know going to Des Moines to wrestle for Grandview, to wrestle for Mitchell. What was kind of your, what was your early um, introduction to wrestling? Like, how did you originally get into the sport? So I started wrestling, you know, uh, my ninth grade year at South Dade High School down in uh, Homestead, uh, Miami-Dade County, Florida. And I had some great coaches there, you know, Coach Barmacita and, and Coach Duck, Reina. They were some great mentors of mine. And um, I just recently moved from the Dominican Republic, so I didn't know, um, I didn't know English. Um, wrestling, when I first Got into wrestling. I thought it was like WWE type of stuff. I, I didn't know what what really wrestling was. Um, so I uh, I came in as a freshman, weighing eighty pounds, and I got I got my butt kicked every day. And I just fell in love with the process, and I fell in love with the discipline. And um, you know, I grew up without my dad, and uh, my coaches were some great father figures. They made sure I straight I stayed in a straight arrow. They made sure um, I was doing all the right things. And they, you know, wrestling saved me and. And that's that's kind of like where um, I kind of took off. I ended up losing my wrestle off my senior year. I broke my hand, and I thought um, my wrestling career was going to be over. Um, so I decided to just continue to wrestle. And you know, in a summer tournament, there was a referee that came up to me and told me like, "Hey, are you wrestling in college?" I was like, "No." You know, I broke my hand. I didn't get any offers or or something like. That. I think I only had one offer, and it was from Coach Steve Kelly. And at that time, Steve Kelly was coaching at Waldorf. So. Um, I got an offer from Kelly, and um, that was pretty much it. But, you know, my uh, the referee that I met told me, hey, you probably should go the junior college route and, and see how you do there. And, and um, I got connected with my high school coaches that went on the JUCO route, and then that's why I ended up going to Wabansi Community College because a lot of Florida guys used to end up there. And I just, you know, took a leap of faith and ended up working out for me. That's really cool. That's really cool. I mean, how much did it help to, you know, you get thrown into this whole new world of wrestling right as you step into high school? But that, I mean, that's just not any high school. I mean, South Dade, that's like a, that's a Florida powerhouse, right? It's like South Dade and, and Brandon, right? Like those are the two wrestling brands. Yeah. How much did that yeah. help when it came to, you know, really, you know, insulating yourself and embedding yourself in the sport? You know, it was, you know, South Dade is known for wrestling. That's what, that's what South Dade is all about. Just tough inner city kids that, you know, I like to fight. And, and you know, my, my high school coach was really good at, at getting those type of kids, kind of like myself, and, and saving, saving them and taking us out of bad situations or bad influences and, and, and having us focus on wrestling. And you always tell us that wrestling is a legalized street fight. So 
at that time, I was not the best kid. I was getting in trouble. You know, I was fighting a lot. Uh, I used to get picked on because I didn't know English, things like that. And um, I just liked the fight. I liked, you know, going in there and, you know, you could fight people and not get in trouble. And I kind of liked that, 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 you know, that, that intensity of wrestling. And um, it's just, it was just a great thing at, at the right time. You know, it, it saved me from, you know, not following the steps of my, you know, my uncles or my family that were not doing the right things. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I've talked to, you know, the, the Reinas and the Balmasetas and, and, you know, Pat Lugo was up here. He was a superstar for Iowa for, you know, the oh, yeah, years I love that he was here. yeah, like they, you know, he told me a lot of the same things that, you know, wrestling was kind of a way to, to keep them on the straight and narrow so that, you know, at, you know, at that time, like Miami's not exactly the safest city in the country. And so wrestling was kind of a way for them to, um, you know, to stay safe and to stay disciplined and to stay clear. And, you know, maybe they find a way out. Maybe, maybe they don't, but it was, you know, that there's, there was, it was a kind of an interesting dynamic, the way South Dade kind of, um, you know, helped a lot of you guys that came through that wrestling program. Mm-hmm. And a funny story is, you know, Pat Lugo, um, I go way back with him. His dad, um, Pat, you know, Pat Lugo senior, he used to take me to tournaments and he was one of the coaches that took me to tournaments when I, after I broke my hand and, um, you know, that family, I'm extremely, uh, grateful for you know the Lugo family for why they did they had no really real reason on why they should take me to all these tournaments and they were taking me every weekend I was with them you know I was watching Pat and his little brother Ozzy wrestle all the time um and the, you know they completely they, you know they're one of the reasons why you know I am in the place I am today because that dad used to just get us up in, in his uh, SUV and, and take us to Brandon take us to Florida all over Florida to wrestle you know and it was great that's awesome that is so awesome um, so you land at, at, you know, this Juco, I, what was kind of, I, it almost sounds like this was like a, a second wind for your wrestling career. Like this was like another opportunity to kind of revive it a little bit. Is that how you pictured it or what was kind of your thoughts going into that situation? So, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Juco's tough and there's a lot of kids that are not really good students that could wrestle. So, you know, I was, you know, going in there in Juco, I was just, I had, you know, the, my goal was just to to go out and prove myself because, you know, I don't, the best I ever did in Florida was six plays and I lost my wrestle off. I didn't wrestle my senior year. So I was like, you know, I got something to prove. And uh, I just make sure that I, I worked out more than everybody else. I make sure I put myself in the right situation. I make sure I hung out with the right people too. Because, um, you know, it, you know, was, the, the school was located right side of Chicago. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, the best situation. But uh, the coach there did a great job. Um, coach Robinson and, and Del Gross. Um, they took care of me, man. They put me under their wing and they make sure I was doing the right things. And, and, you know, they're the reason why I'm here today as well. Cause they, they really cared about me and took care of me. That's awesome. Yeah. You I, twice an all American won a Juco national title out there. When did you first come in contact with coach Mitchell out at Grandview? So, uh, Grandview connection came because my junior college coach was friends with Dr. Miller, the, the Grandview's chiropractor. I gotcha. Okay. So, um, I actually, you know, I, you know, they, I heard about Grandview, but at that time I was like, dude, I don't want to go to Grandview. I don't want to be in the snow in Iowa. You know, I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I like it there. So like I was looking at other schools or even potentially even, you know, maybe going D1 maybe. So I was like really, you know, really looking at, you know, everywhere I visited, you know, a couple NAIA schools. And, um, but one thing that, that, uh, that definitely caught my mind was when I, when I met Mitchell for the first time, you know, he looked at me and told me like, Hey, if you come here, you're going to be part of something real special. You're going to be part of, you know, you know, winning a team national title. You're going to continue to win, you know, as an individual. And um, he just seemed genuine, you know, like a, you know, like a real guy. And I, 
kind of, you know, I, I listened to my Juco coach. He told me, hey, I think you got to go to Grandview. I heard good things about Mitchell. He's a Warburg guy, you know, this and that. And um, I ended up going to Grandview. That's that that's kind of funny how that works because like I nowadays like when you talk to kids who you know have these super fascinating stories about landing in Des Moines and wrestling for Grandview like it's it's easy to be like yeah you know like th- this is a team that wins they've rattled off all these titles they've produced all these guys like they're now really starting to really develop I think a Greco-Roman program within their their RTC and the Viking Wrestling Club but like at that point in time it hadn't really taken off yet like what was kind of what was the ultimate selling point for you to land at Grandview? You know, like, you know, for example, like, Lindenwood was kind of like the NAI powerhouse at that time. And um, I visited Lindenwood. It was a beautiful place. And um, I just didn't feel the same connection I had with Mitchell. Um, you know, Mitchell just felt genuine. He felt like he, he was willing to do what it takes to uh, to be to the top. Um, I think that year before, Grammy probably took maybe, like, seventh or eighth or something like in the NAI championship. And I could just feel that he was not satisfied with that, that he wanted more. And I just felt like I had to be part of that, and um, and that's why I decided to go to Grandview. That's awesome. That's awesome. How uh, how did, I guess I got I had two questions about the Grandview experience. One, how did you handle that first snowfall when you finally were in Des Moines? Oh man, like my junior year was probably the worst uh, in my whole career of wrestling. <laughs> it, 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 number one, it took me a while to 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 adapt to you know you know Mitchell. He you know he treats his wrestling program like a Division One program. Like we train a lot, and I was not used to just doing that at that time in my life i was you know i'm a miami florida kid from a you know from an island you know there wasn't no 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 sun all the time no beach next to you um when i was in juco i was able to go home a lot however at grandview um mitchell didn't let us go home as much so uh i struggled a lot um i didn't wrestle to my full potential i was not tough um i was immature and um it took me a year to finally like buy into the championship lifestyle that Mitchell preaches. And after I bought into that, then, you know, it was all story. You know, I ended up winning a championship for him and, and, you know, my life changed for the better. Absolutely. Did you, do you remember the moment when you realized that, you know, Hey, I like, I really need to buy into this thing if I want to reach my goals, you know, that I had set out to reach. Yeah, man. Uh, so, you know, it's a crazy story. My junior year, a lot of things was going, I had a girlfriend. I was back in Miami. It was not the best situation. Um, and, uh, she ended up getting in trouble for something really, you know, really, really, really bad. So um, I, I just thought myself, like, man, I, I could have been, I could have been in that car, um, if I, you know, I could have been in that car, I could possibly would have gotten in trouble. You know, it could have been a lot of things. So I put a lot of things in perspective, um, especially after losing that match in the blood round and seeing my, you know, my teammate um, that I whoop on all the time become an All-American definitely um, brought me down to earth. And I also was a little bit arrogant. Um you know, I thought because I won junior college wrestling that I was going to go and run through the NAIA. I didn't have to listen to Mitchell and a lot of things. And, you know, it was a, you know, I had to, after that loss, that I still remember like it happened yesterday, I had to really think back and and, and see and see myself in the mirror and see that I have to change if I want to get better. Not just in wrestling, but as a person as a whole. And uh, that's when that change, you know, that's when I made that change. And, you know, right after I got back from, from nationals, I was already training for, that 2012 national championship how uh how magical was that 2012 season i mean for for you individually for for the team as a whole um you know that was that was the first team title for grandview i think in any sport at the time um like how how awesome was that because that was the first one right that was the first one for you is the first one for for mitchell like how cool was that season 
Uh, it was it was awesome. You know, it was, you know, like and those guys that were there, man, like that that lineup was just, you know, they're all I'm really close with all of them. We were just some bad dudes, man, and and, and that's that that's what it came down to. We were just tough. We really lived the championship lifestyle. We we're we we're guys that were greedy and they wanted they wanted to win as a team, and we had each other's back. And um and that's why I think it was the coolest thing ever seeing you know my you know my my my, my friends becoming all Americans and you know my guys making it to the finals. I remember Eric Thompson winning his too. Um, it was just it was a great a great time, and it was in Des Moines too. So like all my friends and classmates were there. Um, it was just a a great experience that you know it's kind of indescribable. Like the other day, yesterday I posted a video of my interview from from there, and it's kind of funny. Like. Um, my English was still bad, you know, but it was it was just such a great time to to be part of Grammy Wrestling, you know, that first year. Yeah, well, I, hey, when you posted that video, like, what was kind of running through your mind? Like, what are you know? I you remember key details of of last year's title, and I know that that's a little bit closer by than you know the twenty twelve team title. But I, what other fun details do you remember about that twenty twelve team? You know, I remember. Uh, you know, one thing that comes to mind was uh, I was losing a match. I think it was the quarters or something like that, and. Uh, you know, I was kind of banged up at national. I was losing, and and the guy took me down. And you know, I was looking at Mitchell, and it was my choice. It was the last period, and I looked at Mitchell and told him I'm going top. And he's like, No, you're going neutral. I'm like, Mitchell, I'm going top. And then I picked top. I ended up turning the kid, and I ended that. You know, that's that was probably the hardest match of the whole national tournament for me. Um, I ended up winning. That was like, you know, that was pretty pretty cool. And also just. You know, hearing the the Grammy crowd, I'm pretty sure you've seen it. They have a great uh, fan base. So just you know, hearing your name and, and and your teammates, your family members out looking looking at you is pretty pretty cool, pretty pretty uh, memorable. Absolutely, yeah. Did you think at that point in time that that would be the first of what ultimately became nine in a row for for Grandview? Man, it, it was. Uh... I, I, you know, I knew that Mitchell was going to continue to do his thing. You know, like once once we got it going, it was it's kind of hard to stop it. You know, it was just you know it started getting big time recruits, more JUCO champs, and D one transfers were coming in, and um, it was just a lot of momentum going. You know, going with the Grandview wrestling program. So I knew they were going to continue to keep going and and do the things that they did. Absolutely, yeah. Well, shortly after that, you—I mean—you pretty quickly jump right into your coaching career. What kind of what what was the path like for you to get to to Life University? So you know, life is a chiropractic college. It's funny. I got I went to Grandview because of a chiropractor, and now you know I'm at a chiropractic school. So it's kind of kind of funny. So um, I was at a coaching convention. Um, that Mitchell brought me because Mitchell did a great job. I told him you know after I graduated, I wanted really to coach. So he'll bring me to all the you know I'm from Florida, so the leadership academy was usually in Florida. So um, I'll go to the Leadership Academy every year with Mitchell and learn how to be a coach. And um, this, you know, my mentor at that time was uh, the coach for St. Cloud. And, um, they, they, you know, they were saying that there's a job opening in Georgia for Life University. And I looked at the job at Life, but it didn't really appeal to me because, it was, you know, I, I thought that it was just a chiropractic school. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to a school that is just a chiropractic school. So um, I decided to check it out anyway. Um, I came down, met my boss, Jamie. Uh, Pendergast and uh, you know we we both clicked. Um, she's she's a she's a really nice uh, athletic director, and I took a chance on her. She took a chance on a young coach, and um, and it's history from there. You know, we just continue to get better every year and every year. Absolutely, yeah. How much of you know? Because I one thing I've noticed just kind of with your guys' lineup over the last few years is there's there's a lot of dudes from the South, right? Like you've got kids from Florida, you've got kids from Georgia, the Carolinas. Like you're really, you know, capitalizing on kind of planting your flag in that region of the country. 
Um, I, was that like the, the goal when you first decided to, to take that job or when you were applying for that job or how did, you know, how, what were those first early years like in terms of just establishing, you know, the, the culture that you wanted to set, that you wanted to set there? Yeah, man, it was, um, so I got the job and, uh, there's a little bit of things that, that happened here that, that, um, that were not good. Um, you know, the program, uh, you know, the, the guy that hired me got in trouble for some, not that hired me, but like the guy that started wrestling here got in trouble for some stuff. And it was kind of hard in the beginning to uh, to get my you know my you know my group going and, and getting those recruits. But once you know that 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 you know kind of like um, went away and we continued to get better, um, I just started recruiting guys that are similar to me. Um, you know, a lot of people think that people from the south can't wrestle, and um, I like them to keep that mentality. So I, I started recruiting guys from from the south and and getting you know the best kids that I can from from Florida, the best kids that I can from Georgia, Tennessee, you know all the you know the south area and. Uh, and that's when we started, you know, getting better. And I stuck to my plan and I ended up working out, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can probably relate to a lot of those kids just because you, you came from Florida. Um, you know, I'm sure you probably face similar stigma, right, coming out. And it's like, oh, you know, it's a kid from Florida. He's not quite, you know, Ohio or Iowa or Oklahoma or Pennsylvania or something like that. But, I mean, you and I both know better than, like, we, you know, those Brandon kids and those South Dade kids, those kids can scrap at the national level with the best of them. Yes, 100%, man. Absolutely. Yeah. How much did you, you know, you get this job at, at life. You, how long did you realistically think it would take to, you know, really turn them into a consistent contender? Cause I, I feel like it, 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 it flipped pretty quickly. Like how, I, what was your kind did you come in with like a five-year plan or an eight-year plan or something like that? Or what was, what was kind of the approach there? Yeah. You know, like I had a, I had a, you know, I had to submit that my interview what was my, my plan. And you know, my, you know, at that time, you know, we, that the year before last, we took tenth place at nationals. Like we got shot out by Grandview. Um, they beat us like I think like forty to zero. Um, and it was really embarrassing. And it was something that I had to really sit back and see why. Like why did we take tenth place? You know, we had you know we were ranked pretty high going into a national tournament, and then we lost like six matches in the blood run or something like that. Um, so uh, the and the year before that, we took third. So I really had to like um, think back and see and look at myself in the mirror and as a coach. And see what what was it what were we doing what what can we do different how can we get better so you know I I, I figured out that we just need to be tougher and and, and, and better condition and, and and work on our, our mindset and that's that's one of the things that that definitely uh, changed uh, the culture here um, that's what we you know we see the lucha you know we talk about fight and then you start telling the guys we just gotta focus on the fight we're not worrying about winning or losing just fight at all costs and um, we kept preaching that and. and, and I kept exercising that in practices and in every situation, and that's what ended up uh, playing out, you know? I love that. I love that. How uh, how often have you kind of leaned on Coach Mitchell as you kind of have navigated, you know, not just being a head coach, but really, I mean, throughout the, the duration of your coaching career? Like, how often have you, you know, called that guy and kind of picked his brain about things? You know, in the beginning, I used to call him, you know, a lot. I, I talked to Reedy a lot more. Um, Reedy's the man. Um, so, uh you know, every time I have, you know, I need advice or something like that, I, I reach out to Mitchell and I talk to him. Or since, you know, I, I built a connection with Coach Miller from, you know, from uh, the coach from Warburg, I also call him up all the time too. Or the coach from Coast Guard, um, uh, Bratlin. So I, I have some pretty good mentors that when I need something, you know, I pick up the phone and I, I give those guys a call because they're, you know, they're, they're my mentors. And sometimes I don't want to bother Mitchell, especially because, you know, we're in the same, uh, you know, the same division and same competition. So, uh if it's something that's wrestling related, I try to stay away from it. But if it's like life or, or, or coaching a kid through problems or something like that, then I reach out to Mitchell. 
That's awesome. Yeah. What, what's maybe the biggest, um, you know, lesson or, or piece of advice that, that either Mitchell or Reedy have given to you, whether it's, you know, coaching, establishing a culture technique wise, like what, whatever the case may be, like, what's the, what's the most important thing that you feel like you've learned from those guys? The, the most important thing was like in the beginning when I got the job in year one and year two, I was playing a lot of comparison games. I was like, why can't we do this? Why Granby doesn't do this and we can't? Or why, you know, Granby's doing this and we can't. I was playing the comparison game and the pity game. And, you know, there was one time that Coach Reedy uh, basically just told me off and be like, hey, you'll never be like Granby. You got to do your things how, how you do it over there and you're going you're gonna to do it how it's done over there because there's no replication of that. You know, um, and then he told me the story how he kind of did the same thing with uh, with how things were done at Wartburg. And then he came to Grammy and saw that things were different. So everywhere you go, there's going to be different battles. There's going to be different hoops that you have to jump through to be successful. As long as you keep your head down, you go to work, you're going to be okay. And um, that was the, the turning point in my career when I heard that. I was like, yeah, I need to stop, you know, playing victim. And I need to actually make it big where I am or make it big where you're at and, and and my mom actually told me that to make it big where you at, man. Stay there and do what you need to do there. And just from there on, I uh, I just stopped blaming my blaming stuff that's my surrounding and just figure out the way. Why not like you? Why can't we win here? You know. And and that's when we took off. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. I I, I think one of the one of the other questions I wanted to ask you about is I you know you guys are. You know, clearly you made noise last year with with knocking off Grandview. You've continued to you know build this program and, and build the team. Um, I, if somebody were to watch Life U for the first time this weekend, what what's kind of your your hope that they take away from watching your guys wrestle? My guys are gonna show up and fight. They're gonna be mean. They're gonna be greedy, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put it all on the line. And 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 that's our identity. And and those are the type of kids that we recruit, and we know that. So um, we're gonna be there, ready to go, man. God willing. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know I'd, I'd, I'm going to be in Lincoln for the Big Ten Championships, but I am really, really excited to always follow the NAIA National Tournament. Um, it always stinks that it falls usually on the same weekend as like the, you know, the Division One Conference Tournament because then that forces mm-hmm. me to make some hard decisions because I think it was, what, a couple years ago, maybe more than a couple years ago, it was back in Des Moines and mm-hmm. it fell on a free weekend. So I was like, absolutely, I'm going to go watch two days of NAIA wrestling. And I tell you what, man, that, that, is, a, that is a really fun tournament. Um, and I, you know, that Nick Mitchell knows that. And, um, you know, I really hope other people take the time to, to pay attention and watch what you guys, Grandview, other NAIA programs are doing, because that's a fun tournament with a lot of elite talent. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have one eye on those brackets and, and track wrestling throughout the course of Friday and Saturday, because it's, it's always a blast to just kind of follow that action. Yeah, man, it's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great division, man. There's some great wrestlers there and, uh, I think the NAIA represents itself uh, pretty good, and I, and I hope everybody, you know, you know, it's like you, that they can figure out some time to watch some NAIA wrestling. Big thank you to both Nick Mitchell and Omi Acosta for their time and for the stories and the insight that they shared. Just wanted to remind you guys, I'm going to have a story coming out of these conversations that sort of tracks the fun little dynamic in a little more detail later this week, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. Uh, finally, this was the first of three podcasts that I have planned for you guys this week, um, so we've got this one today, another one coming tomorrow on Thursday, breaking down the upcoming Big Ten Championships, and then another one on Friday that'll take a look at the Big 12 Championships. Really busy weekend of wrestling this weekend 
Really busy month of wrestling. Um, if you guys read the mailbag, if not, check the show notes. Um, I hope you guys are ready for the next few weeks. It's going to be a blast. That's all I've got today, though. Thanks a bunch for listening. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your shows. Follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, Instagram Cody J Goodwin, and of course, be sure to subscribe to catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. You can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon.